Good evening. Good evening. Today we, we are gathered to celebrate and honor the apostolic ministry of Bishop Flynn Arthur Johnson. The word honor is about seeing what's valuable, wonderful, and miraculous in other people and appreciating, being in awe of, loving, acknowledging, and otherwise responding to them in the way they deserve. And how many of you believe that Bishop Johnson is deserving of honor? Amen. In the house of God. The Bible states in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 11th verse, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the sake of equipping the saints for the works of ministry. First Samuel 13, 14 says, and the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. One of the great distinctives about the way Bishop Johnson receives honor comes in three ways. I have learned and observed from Bishop Johnson when honor is given to him, he always gives that honor back to God. He never holds it within himself. He goes into a quiet place and takes all the compliments, all the claps, and offer them back to the Lord. The other thing that Bishop Johnson does is that he takes the honor that's been given to him, and he uses that honor to edify the church. The third thing that I've seen Bishop Johnson do over and over and over and over is that he uses the honor that is bestowed upon him to build platforms, to pull others up on that platform, to pull them into their destiny. Bishop Johnson uses the honor that God has given him. He has stewarded that honor. And today we come to celebrate the apostolic ministry of Bishop Flynn, Arthur Johnson. Some of the things that Bishop Johnson has accomplished in his apostolic ministry, first of all, Bishop Johnson is a third-generation pastor. He and all of his siblings are currently in ministry. Bishop Johnson was called to ministry in Munich, Germany in 1971. He was discipled by Von Cunningham and Chuck Delores House. The first church he pastored was in Munich, Germany, serving mostly Germans and Turkish members along with military personnel. He trained as a dental hygienist in the army and ran a dental clinic, which served ambassadors and enlisted service members. How would you, how would you have liked for Bishop Johnson to pull your teeth, praise God. <laughs> Bishop Johnson received a honorable European discharge from the army and worked 
in Germany in itinerant ministry before returning to the United States for further education. He attended Lee College and received several degrees. His first degree was a Bachelor's of Arts degree in social welfare and corrections with a vocal minor. His second degree was a Bachelor's of Arts degree in biblical education with a Greek minor. Also, Bishop Johnson received his Master's of Ministry in Leadership Development. Bishop Johnson was ordained as a bishop by Archbishop John Mears on October the 28th, 1986. He has ordained over 20 elders and 72 deacons. And out of some of these elders and deacons and ministers, some, have, some were sent to start churches. Others went to advance the kingdom of God in other ministries, other churches, and some even in marketplace ministries to the glory of God. He established Metropolitan Ministries International and related pastors. This included pastors throughout the United States and over 100 churches in Brazil, over 100 churches in South Africa, as well as churches in Canada. He is also highly esteemed, he is also a highly esteemed local pastor having preached consistently on radio, appearing on television programs. Also of late he has traveled abroad and ministered to crowds as large as 60,000 at a time. With the same fire he has ministered to crowds as small as two with the same passion. That's honor. He is the founder of Atlanta Metropolitan Cathedral, now known as Metro City Church, and has spearheaded metropolitan community development. He is a member of Kingdom Ministries International, a member of the International Coalition of Apostles. He has assisted with the startup of Georgia Literacy Coalition. He's a member of the Fellowship of Metro Atlanta Churches. He was a board member of Psychological Studies Institute and he's involved, pre presently involved with the leadership among leadership of One Race Movement. Bishop John Mears personally assisted and helped Bishop Johnson in his transition to his own personal lead pastor, who is Pastor Cesar Castellanos, before he went home to be with the Lord. After several moves here in Atlanta, from County Line Road, to Raph Bunch Middle School. How many of you remember Raph Bunch? How many of you remember Smith High where we met Willard? Come on. And we went from Smith High to Carver High. And from Carver High, we went to Grant Park and to our current location here on 999 Brockcliffe Road. He now pastors and presides with elders, deacons, connection group leaders, always continually building teams of leaders. At this time, I'd like for everyone to stand and give Bishop Johnson a hand of honor. Amen.
at this time, we're going to hear um, a testimony from a couple that I love dearly. We have gone through storms together. Elder Willie has been at Metro for 38 years, and Denise Palmer has been at Metro for 39 years. The both of them have been married for 36 years. I'd like for you to welcome Elder Willie and Denise Palmer. Good evening. We consider it a privilege to get a chance to say something about the man and the woman of God that has blessed our lives. Of course, now we have to say, what did we say? Because <laughs> those 30-something years, the ministry has been 40 years, and we've been here a good chunk of them. And I know when I came, I was a busted up, messed up kid. Uh, actually, about seven days away from my wedding day. But it wasn't this woman right here that I'm standing next to. It was somebody else. I was about to make one of the biggest mistakes in my life. And I remember coming. (laughs) Can I get a witness? (laughs) No. (laughs) And and I was like, what do I do? And I remember sitting down and talking to Bishop Johnson. It's like I made a decision not to get married because God hadn't done some things in me. And because he hadn't placed me in the hands of a skillful potter. That's why I looked at because there was a lot of things, like I said, messed up in my life. And getting that clay, making me and helping me to better understand what it is to be a man. I, I, my father was in the ministry, so there are things that I gleaned from there. But there were things that I didn't get from my dad that God placed me in the hand of this man of God. And I, re- I remember when when the God starts fi- fixing things in my heart and in my life, okay, now, okay, I'm ready. What do I do? And that's when this wonderful woman right here got in my crosshairs. And I had to sit down and, and talk with Bishop. Sitting at, I think it was the Hardy's over there in Greenbrier Mall. And, and, and you, you drew out that triangle about, uh, you know, and I always use it. And it is God is at the center of that. And you two, you meet at him. And I've carried that through these 36 years as far as in making sure that I follow that, that simple but profound wisdom that was given that helped shape my life and the life of my kids. I, 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 it, it's, it's, I'm full right now because uh, when Elder Deal was running down the, the list of all those different places we, we went, I saw my firstborn's first steps in one of those schools. I didn't see it at home. I saw it in church. So this, this means the ministry that flowed from this man of God to follow him and Lady Carolyn means a lot to me and my family. My son's walking, my oldest, my firstborn, uh, is, is also involved in ministry because God has called his life because there's a flow that flowed from Bishop Johnson. I didn't know how to, to transfer that down until I start walking with this man of God. And in 2 Timothy 2nd chapter, 2nd verse, where you share with us on those Sunday mornings on Candleland Road, sitting in your office in one of those classrooms, take the things that you've learned and you give them to faithful men that they can pass those things on. 
And, sir, you've helped fulfill that part, the legacy part of life for us. We were the first couple to actually meet at Metro and get married at Metro. Mm -hmm. And I, I take that as an honor because of the ministry gift that God has placed within you guys as far as being able to minister to, to uh, couples and families. I thank God every day. The day I came to the church doors to meet Bishop and Lady Carolyn, it was on a, um, I was with a group of people and we heard a lot about this man and woman of God who was speaking the truth and teaching people. And so I was at the time when I was, before I met Willie and knew him, I was searching for, for God in some kind of way. And when I came to County Line Road, and I think it was only like maybe three people in the church or something like that, but this particular time we came, um, you were having a night service, and I remember you called everyone up, and Lady Carol began to prophesy over my life. Everything that I have gone through and been through, you prophesied that night. And it makes me full because I thank God every day that I've had Bishop Johnson in my life to speak as a father I never had who encouraged me, who gave me self-esteem, helped me to understand who I was in God, the purpose I have, my life, helping me in my marriage with my children. You've always been there. You've always loved me as if I were your own. And I've always counted that as a privilege. I don't know how many of you realize that it's not every day you have a, a pastor, a father, a bishop that touches your life in a very personal way in every way, every aspect of our lives. We are who we are because of you. And we plan to be even better because of you, because of what you instilled in us and parted to us and taught us. We want to become all that God has for us. And I thank God for you, you and Lady Carolyn. You mean so much to us. We wouldn't be anywhere without you. And we just honor you today, Bishop Johnson, because you are worthy of the honor. This is my first day um, of walking without the cane. And um, so uh, it's been a little awkward up here. <laughs> Mr. Banks said, you just need to trust yourself. <laughs> but anyway, at this time, we're, we're going to hear a testimony from Pastor Alan and Renee Pullum. They are worship pastors at Hope and Life Fellowship in Snellville. Welcome them as they come. Woo! Hallelujah! Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody give God praise in the house tonight? Is he worthy of glory? Is he worthy of honor? Come on, give him glory. Hallelujah. Woo! How many love Jesus tonight? Shout, yeah. Shout, I do. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. This is memory lane, that, those pictures, I'm telling you. Woo! Carl and Neil, ooh. 
Wow, 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 wow. We are just so honored to be here um, to share in this great, great occasion in honoring Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn. Amen. Man, I go back to, I think, age 16 when I first came to Metro on County Line. I was, I was living in um, L.A. <laughs> so it means LaGrange, Georgia, but it's still L.A. It's still L.A. And so I was coming up visiting during summer break, and my cousin Pat and Linda was attending the church on County Line Road. And I remember just coming up on, Sunday, uh, on uh, summer break and just being so excited because I wanted to visit their church. They were already attending Metro, and it was the highlight of my summer to come up. And, and I remember coming two, two summers in a row. And, and so by the time I made the decision to move, I already knew a lot of the people at the church. So it was just like, just coming in and just fitting like a glove. And I remember my cousin Pat introducing me to, uh, she said, come on, I want you to meet someone. And, um, and I was like, okay. And she said, I want you to meet one of our keyboard players. And it wasn't Neil Thomas. Thank the Lord. You have to understand that's a 30-year friendship right there. But she said, I want you to meet Alan. And I went over, and the, and the, the minute that I shook his hand, God said, this is your, your husband. The minute I shook his hand. But I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that because God didn't tell me to tell him that. I had to just walk it out, walk it out, you know, and, and, but one of the things that Bishop Johnson did, I never forget it. I knew what God was saying. Bishop knew what God was saying about the two of us coming together. Bishop took Alan under his wings and just, I don't know if you remember Bishop, but you talked to him and the quote that you said to, to him, well, if you snooze, you lose. He said that to Alan, and not too many days hence, Alan asked me to be his wife. But I want you to know something. We started under their wings, under Bishop and Lady Carolyn's wings. They took us under their love. They took us under their leadership, and they taught us. They poured into us many, many nights of being in their house in Decatur. Do I have any witnesses out there? I mean, we ate their food. We were in their fridge. We, and, and it was like they welcomed us. And they took a small-town girl and brought, them, brought me up under their leadership. Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn poured into me poured into me many a nights rehearsing in their house and asked me and Lonell, we were like the two teenagers of the group to be a part of Johnson and Company. Man, those were days. Traveling, going everywhere they went, we were right behind them, right behind them. But we learned so much, so much from them just by watching their lives, just by he was, he's a master in teaching music, 
music team, do I have a witness on that? He's a master at that. I give him that because he's a master in it. I never forget this real quick story, and we'll give it to Alan. And I was, we were in their house rehearsing one night, and he would always say, Renee, when you, when you sing, you know, you got to sing with your countenance. You got to smile. You know, you got to, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. You know, and so we would go back to singing the song, and I would have that same look on my face again, just kind of staring off. And so this one night, Bishop was like, Carolyn, go get a mirror. Go get a mirror. And I'm looking there, well, who's going to look in the mirror? Who, who, who's in trouble, you know? So he said, give it to her, give it to her. And he made me sing in that mirror so that I can see what my face is doing. Because sometimes when we're ministering, some people are looking at our face. They, they're, they're trying to grasp something. Because sometimes they are hurt and sometimes they are wounded. And sometimes they come in depressed. And so they need you, they need us to help lift them up and take them to the throne. Amen? Amen. And so he taught me that. And so I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for them. He married us. Amen. 31 years of marriage. Amen. Because of them taking the time to sit down with us, to counsel us, to talk to us, to pour into us in our marriage. Our kids were born right here um, in this ministry, Nicholas and Maritza. Amen. Nicholas is here tonight. And um, Nick used to walk around. Stand up, Nick. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's our two-pounder when he was born. Amen. Our daughter is, is living in New York now. And, um, but she sends her love. But I remember Nicholas walking around these halls at one and two-year-old carrying sticks. Anybody remember that? Just him carrying those sticks. Got many hands out there. Because he saw what was happening in the music ministry. And it was just something that just, it was just a part of his DNA. So tonight, we honor you, Pastor, um, Pastor Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn. We love you so, so much. You are, they came to our uh, vow renewal he prayed over us again. Amen. And so we, we are so honored to uh, be asked to come and be a part of this tonight. And um, thank you for all that you've done for us. Uh, thank you, uh, Lady Carolyn, for pouring into me. And you know you poured into me. Amen. And so I am honored. I thank you. We love you so, so, so dearly. So dearly. And I mean that from my heart. Thank you. Thank you for all the trips. You took us around the world. They literally took us around the world. There's not too many pastors that would do that, but they saw something. They saw something. We love you. Amen. Uh, that's my wife, Renee. She likes to light it up. <laughs> She's, uh, she likes to be out front. I like to be in the back, but... Uh, God's uh, lately been pushing me forward out of my comfort zone, and um, so it's been an interesting ride. Yeah. And we just come, we just want to come. We came tonight to honor Bishop Johnson, and Lady Carolyn. Thank you so much for laying the foundations in our lives that has kept us 31 years. Yeah. And all the pictures that you saw on the screen, 
those were couples that had the same foundation laid in their lives, the same words poured over them. That's why they've lasted so long. And that's the angle I wanted to come, come from. Uh, when we had our vow renewal of uh, 30 years, which is uh, <laughs> rare, uh, last year, uh, I didn't hesitate to call Bishop Johnson because he's the, he's the one that laid the foundation. Lady Carolyn poured, pouring into us. And so they prayed over us last year um, at our vow renewal. And um, we got into a conversation about, um, on the telephone, uh, say, hey, Bishop Johnson, I, I really would, would uh, it would be my honor for you to come and pray over us. And we got into this conversation about, um, uh, I think I said, man, I don't know how, I don't, man, I don't know how we got here. You know, it's 30 years. And uh, Bishop Johnson said, well, welcome to the, to the uh, Smithsonian Institution of Rare Antiquities and National Treasures. Because <laughs> it's truly rare. You're in a people, uh, those pictures up there, and the, our friends, we, you're in a rare group that's not seen on this, on this earth today. And I want to come from that angle. The, the words that were poured over us, the, word, the foundations that were laid, kept us, kept us 31 years. Not that we had, any, you know, we had problems. The winds came, the, uh, the rains, the, you're going to have arguments, you're going to have storms. When you're in ministry, it's heightened a little bit. And when we got in ministry, I appreciated them even more because it, it took it up a whole other level. And I think we, uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to have several crowns of uh, victory. <laughs> now, I can go on and on with that. And uh, normally, I'm kind of soft-spoken, and, and, uh, but lately, uh, the um, things that are going on, it kind of it uh, awakened me to some things that are, that, are, that are happening in the earth. But I want to, to let you know to hold on to those foundations. Hold on to the Word of God. In Proverbs... Each, each, each proverb, it says, hey, hey, listen to me. Listen, son. Bind these words on your heart. Listen to them and stick to them. And with, with those words, you're going to have great success. Bind them in your heart. Read them. Meditate on them because they're going to keep you when the storms comes. We're talking about anchors. We're talking about foundations that keep you when the storms come. And the anchors are um, a heavyweight that ships throw overboard. When, uh, when they want safety, and when it'll anchor them when storms comes. Now, there are several storms that come, but if you're not anchored, you have to know that you belong to God. You have to know that the word of God will keep you and that he is faithful. Several storms are going to come, but you have to know your identity in God. Now, these are the words that were poured over us 30 years ago, and that has kept us today. And I just want to honor the man of God that had, and the woman of God, that has laid these foundations. Hold on to the word of God. Yeah. Things going to come. Um, good is not necessarily God. It may look good, but it may not be God. You know, um, the, uh, you have to know the, the good, the, the real from the fake. You have to have discernment. And the only way you're going to have discernment is you have to know, you have to be informed. You have to know the word of God. You have to Embrace it with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And when problems come, trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And his paths are, are for good and not for evil. In Jeremiah 29, 11, his, his, his plans for you is for good and not for evil. Now, all of these come 
these, all of these form your core values. And these are the things that guide you through life. And if you don't know, you're going to easily be swayed. You've got to stand up for something or you fall for anything. You have to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And let the word of God come into you and let it be rooted so you can bear fruit. And these, all of these have guided us all of these years. And we have to give honor to Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn. Thank you so much for laying these foundations that have guided us. And we pray that your family will be blessed and that your legacy will continue. In Jesus' name, amen. next person I'm going to bring before you, she and Margaret used to cook some of the best food, Lord have mercy, and um, they were part of my survival line when I was in college, <laughs> but more than that, this person has been a, a, um, a, person of consistency and faithfulness. The Bible says the faithful man, faithful woman shall abound in blessing. And tonight we're going to hear a testimony of what, of how Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn's ministry has benefited her life. I'd like for everyone to welcome Elder Pat Downer from, yes, Elder Pat Downer from Living Worship Ministries. Welcome her. Amen. afternoon everybody please forgive my voice but I am so honored to be here it has been 39 years ago that I met Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn and the way that I got here was through Margaret Carson I was going to a little uh, storefront church I had just gotten saved Renee's grandmother had been praying for me because my sister and I, we were some, oh, God, help us. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, for his, they, the word says, his mercies are new every morning. And uh, when they was talking about getting saved, I said, saved? Uh-uh. I don't want to be a part of that looking like those people but anyway um when i came to county line road uh i never forget we came on an easter sunday and i have a daughter who is about a year older than tiffany and my sister who is now gone on to be with the lord she has a son kier and he i think he and christopher are around the same age but when I met Bishop and Lady Carol, I was a wreck. 
I knew Jesus. I had only known Jesus for about maybe uh, two or three weeks. <laughs> and <laughs> when I came to Metro, Bishop, I, I just couldn't believe this man talking the way he was talking. And like Renee was saying, we came from LaGrange, Georgia, a small place. And, you know, I mean, you, you would go to church. Like, back then, they was having church, like, twice a month. And, you know, I mean, people were going to church, but they were doing everything. You know what I mean? They weren't living the word. And so when I got to Metro, and bishops start te teaching about relationships, I was saying, oh, my God, and justification and sanctification. And I was saying, this is mind-blowing. But I'm going to tell you, after that, everybody that I met, I was witnessing to them. I mean, I was witness to a rock. You know, that's just the way it was. And Lady Carolyn was... She was very adamant about us, uh, about teaching the women and stuff. And, you know, and me being single and having a, a daughter. And, I mean, she would get that red fingernail and point it in our faces and tell us. And at the time, because I have a strong personality. And Elder Carolyn, you know how she can be when she want to get her point across. And I was like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to deal with it? But I had to learn how to submit. I had to learn how to come under. And when I came under, I was able to soar. I thank God because Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. This is where I learned how to pray. God gave me the gift of intercession. And I thank God that they recognized that in me. And, you know, as a result of that, I just believe God that um, three years ago, I lost my sister. And I got through it. I had a brain tumor. And I got through all of that. And, you know, I was in the hospital for over eight weeks. I had to go through physical therapy. But look what God has done, okay? I am a walking testimony of what God can do. And, you know, I tell everybody, and this man right here, he poured so much into us. Bishop, my father was not a church-going man. My mama would go to church sometime. But they took me like I was a little child. Not that they treated me like I was a little girl, but they loved me through all of my craziness. And I just, you know, I appreciate, appreciate you, Bishop. I really do because... I was just thinking, you know, when, when we came to County Line, we were all young people. I mean, I was in my 20s. And, I'm <laughs> and in a few months, I will be, what? 69. So God is good. And getting back to Elder Yule, 
I'm telling you, Elder Ewell used to walk up to me sometime and just tell me stuff about myself that I couldn't even believe it. But Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn, they are the prototype in this city. And they are really uh, um, people that a lot of people don't know about what's happening here. They really don't know about it. But that's why the people in this house, we have been called to give to the multitude. And we got everything we need. We don't need to be praying and asking, God, give me more of this. Give me more of that. We already got it because this man and this woman have already imparted that in you. So I just thank God for them. But I'm going to... Uh, I'm not going to talk long. And Bishop, you know I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to uh, give you an acronym. I didn't write it out, but I'm going to have it printed up so you can have it. And I want to do an acronym for your first name, Flynn, Bishop Flynn. But I'm just going to do Flynn. The elf is for the faith. This is a man of faith faith. The L is that God has called him to be a leader. The Y is that he yields to the Holy Spirit. The N is that he is a noble man. And the other N is this man is needed in this city to, so that the word of God can go forth. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Great testimonies. I'd like for all the deacons to stand at this time. All the deacons that are present. Come on, let's give them a hand. Amen. Also at this time, I'd like for all the ministers and elders to stand. Amen. Next, I would like for all the leaders of care groups, small groups, KLF groups, committees, amen. Um, like for you to stand. Amen. They are the building blocks of the ministry. Amen. Give them a hand again. Amen. At this time, we are going to actually um, want to list or share with you the list of related pastors that are actually under Bishop Johnson. The first person is Bishop Larry and Gloria Corker of Generations Outreach Ministries. 
next is uh, Pastor Frank and Ivy Gonzalez from Harvest Church Ministries, Stockton, California. Next is Pastor Carol Houston from Bethel, Unspeakable Joy Church in Los Angeles, California. Bishop Eric Johnson, New Life Worship Center in Fort Myers, Florida. Brother of Bishop Johnson, Pastor Rodney Johnson and Gala at Triune Dimensions Church in Arlington, Texas. Pastor Michael McClure, Revelations Church Ministries, Birmingham, Alabama. Pastor Atwell Mahoto, Abundant Life Outreach International Church in South Africa. Pastor Todd and Ingrid Pickett, House of God International Church, Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor David Sherwood, New Birth Kingdom Church International, Carbondale, Illinois. Pastor Brent, Brendan and Sharon Witten, Toronto City Church in Toronto, Ontario. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for these ministries. There are many more to come. Many more God is raising up around the world. The next person I want to bring before you um, happens to, um, to be my wife. She has been my wife, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> 33, I, I always, I'm trying to get it right, 33 years, right? Yeah, okay, 33 years, I need her help to also make sure I get the children's ages and birthdays right as well, and so um, I never forget, I went to pick up a prescription, and they would not release the prescription because I could not remember the birthday. So anyway, uh, thank God for helping me. But one of the greatest things that Jane has done recently is the reason that I'm uh, walking uh, without my cane uh, has been to her, her uh, special ministry. That's all I'm going to say, a special, special ministry. Amen. Jesus calls to cripple the walk. <laughs> And Jane Crawford <laughs> raised me up. Amen. <laughs> now, those of you, one of, the, one of the greatest things that's happened to me since I've been married to Jane and been a part of this ministry, Bishop and Lady Carolyn has been the voice of truth to us. Uh, these last couple of years, we've had to we've had to face some real, real dark times, and it's been it's been the voice of truth. It's been the love, the love, the love from them that's made the biggest difference in our lives. And also, one of the things that's been cultivating 
has been a sense of humor. And so some of it has come from Jane and <laughs> transference, amen. Some more of her healing power. So I like, <laughs> so I like to present to you <laughs> my wife, Jane Crawford. Jane Lynette Crawford. <laughs> going to keep it moving. Okay. Um, it has been such a privilege to be a part of this ministry. Um, I'm actually here to welcome our speaker um, tonight, and it is my great honor and my great pleasure. But I would like to say that um, I could not ever imagine my life without being a part of the ministry of Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn. Uh, we are what we are. All the testimonials that you heard tonight, it almost sounds like a dream. It almost sounds like it's too good to be true, but it's not. God has blessed us abundantly, and I believe that we have, we, sh we are the envy of the world because of the leaders that we have. And I want us to just stand one more time and just give them a great ovation and thank our God, for what he has blessed us with, and our leader, Bishop Johnson, we love you so much. There are just no words to say what you mean to us, and Lady Carolyn, thank you so much. I am here to introduce our speaker tonight, Dr. Margaret Weaver. Dr. Margaret Weaver is a licensed psychologist and a founding partner of Keystone Counseling Center, a Christian counseling center in metropolitan Atlanta. Keystone Counseling Center offers comprehensive mental health services for children, adolescents, and adults. The staff includes licensed professional counselors, licensed clinical social workers, and psychologists. Dr. Weaver's specialty areas include depression, anxiety, grief, stress, abuse, and spiritual issues. She works with adults 18 years and older. She has also supervised and taught at the Psychological Studies Institute, which is now called Ridgemont Graduate University, a graduate school for training in Christian counseling. Dr. Weaver has a Bachelor of Arts degree in music from George Washington University in Washington, D.C. She has a Master of Arts degree in psychology from Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She also has a Doctorate of Philosophy degree in counseling psychology from Georgia State University in Atlanta, Georgia. Her professional memberships include the American Association of Christian Counselors and the American Psychological Association. An inspirational speaker, author, and life coach, Dr. Weaver has served as, as a workshop, retreat, and conference speaker for churches and various organizations. She has written Don't Give Up, the first in a series of devotional books designed to give hope, comfort, and encouragement. Currently, Dr. Weaver is a member of Antioch Baptist Church North in Atlanta, Georgia, where Dr. Cameron M. Alexander is the pastor. While at Antioch, she has served on several committees, 
directed a choir and spearheaded several churchwide retreats. She is director of the church's evangelistic task force, a program designed to train believers to be more effective witnesses. I'd like everyone in the building to please stand to your feet as we honor this gift to the body of Christ. Our speaker tonight, Dr. Margaret Weaver. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise God who alone is worthy to be praised who alone is worthy to be exalted and lifted up to the highest. I always enjoy being here at Metro. I'm not a member, but sometimes I feel like one. <laughs> it's especially good to be here to celebrate Bishop Flynn Johnson's birthday. When I think of Bishop Johnson, of course, several things come to mind. I, I think we first connected back in the 80s, uh, if I remember correctly, and I have felt connected since the 80s, uh, not just to Bishop Johnson, but also to Sister Carol. And so I'm, I'm delighted to be here and to participate in this experience. You know, sometimes we have what are called word associations, where you say a word and you ask the person, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that particular word? When I hear the name Bishop Flynn Johnson, what comes to mind is integrity that he is a man of integrity. Also, he is a man, a leader with a different spirit. With a different spirit. And because he is a leader with a different spirit, it puts him in some real good company. Because God himself, on one occasion, said of a leader, this man is a man of a different spirit. And that man's name was Caleb. different spirit. And when you use the word different, by definition, it means comparison. Bishop Johnson is a man of a different spirit. Caleb was a man of a different spirit. I'd like for us to look at this comparison 
That was me in prayer. Father, we're just grateful that you are God. We're grateful that you're God all by yourself. We're grateful that you don't need any help being God. We're grateful for every experience that you give us and every opportunity you give us to give your name praise, to exalt you, to lift you up to the highest. We thank you for the bishop that you have placed in this place. Thank you for the years of life that you have given him. And Father, we pray that you will continue to do your work through him, in him. We thank you for this opportunity, Father. We pray that you speak your words through me, your words alone to the end that we will be changed and your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What do you do when someone makes a promise to you? What do you do when someone promises you something? How do you respond? when someone makes a promise. Because we have people now making all kinds of promises. The Republicans are promising that they're going to do better than Democrats. The Democrats are promising that they're going to do better than the Republicans. The independents, libertarians, they're saying, oh, y'all all got it wrong. We promise that we're going to make this country what it ought to be. Everybody's making promises. Affleck. They promise that they have the best insurance. Prudential, State Farm, they're all making promises. All kinds of promises. It used to be that people would make this kind of promise. In sickness and in health, for rich or poor, till death do us part. Everybody's making promises. Promise makers all over the place. But there is one who is not merely a promise maker. There is one who doesn't just make promises. He keeps his promises. Our God is a promise keeper. A promise keeper. And he wants us to believe his promises, to stand on his promises. And as we shall see, he gets very disturbed 
where we don't believe a promise that he makes to us. I would venture to say that many in here this night know deep down in your heart that God has made you a promise about something. But it hasn't come to fruition. It has not manifested itself. But if God made the promise to you, if he spoke it, stand on that promise. Used to be a hymn that we used to sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God, I shall not fall. Some of you may be a little weary about standing on whatever that promise is that God gave you. But I come to encourage you that if God made that promise to you, stand on it. It doesn't matter if it was five years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago. If you know that God made the promise, stand on it. Because the word says, God is not a man that he should lie. Now the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, it will come to pass. Stand on his promise. Turn with me, please, to the 13th chapter of Numbers, and we discover what happens when people do not stand on the promise of God. 13th chapter of Numbers, beginning with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you should send a man, everyone a leader among them. Note that it's described, the land is described by God, a land I am given to the children of Israel. That's a promise. That's a promise that God made. And he was referring to what we call the promised land. The promised land. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. These were all leaders. These were all leaders. Now, I'm going to mention these 12 leaders that were sent out by Moses. But you're going to have to forgive me because with 10 of the names I will name, I might struggle with the pronunciation because 10 of these names are not familiar to me. Two of them are. Ten of them 
I'll struggle a little bit. Because when their moment came, when the opportunity was there for them to stand on the promise of God, they did not. Oh, but two of them are very familiar because mothers and fathers have been naming their children after two of them for centuries. But 10 of them, bear with me because I'll struggle with the pronunciation because their names are not familiar. Beginning with verse four, I'll just list their names. Shamua. The next one, Shaphat. The next one, Caleb. And I can say with all ease. The next one, Agel. The next one, Oshia. The next one, Palti. The next one, Gadiel. The next one, Gadi. The next one, Amiel. The next one, Sether. The next one, Nakbi. The next one, Giruel. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, and listen very carefully to what the instruction is and what it is not. Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was a season of the first ripe grapes. Do take note of what the instruction was. The instruction was to go and explore the land. That's what these leaders were told. Go explore the land. They were not told, go and explore the land and then come back and tell us whether or not we can possess the land. That was not the instruction. You see, th that shouldn't have even been a consideration because this was the promised land. God promised this land. But look at what happened. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahimach, Shasha and Talmud, the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol 
And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. So far, so good. And showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But now, they're going to mess up. Verse 28, they're going to mess up. And they're going to mess up for the reason that so many of us mess up. See, the problem is the first three words in this verse 28. The problem is the first three words in verse 28. In some translations, it's nevertheless the people. In others, is but the people. And this is where we mess up with these first three words here. But the people. Nevertheless, the people. This is not about the people, it's about the promise. See, that, that's where we, we, we get off. We, we start focusing on the people instead of standing on the promise. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. I want you to repeat after me. But God promised the land. And when I point at you, that's what I want you to say. But God promised the land. And I'm going to read, and then I'm going to point. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Oh, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. But God promised the land. They're bringing all this negative report. But God promised the land. And see, that's what you need to do when, when you start talking negative to yourself about what, about what God has promised you. That negative thought comes, you got to say, but God promised me. Oh, it ain't happened yet, but God promised me. Everything is going downhill, but God promised me. But now, we hear from the man 
with a different spirit. That's what the word says about Caleb. In chapter 4, he's a man with a different spirit. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You see, a man like Bishop Johnson, a man like Caleb, these are men who have a different spirit. See, when you have a different spirit, you are not intimidated by the facts. See, when you, when you have a different spirit, you are not intimidated by the facts. Now, the facts were true. As a matter of fact, Caleb even said, we're able to overcome it. So there was something to overcome. But when you have a different spirit, you're not intimidated by the facts. You're not intimidated by the facts because your God is more powerful than the facts. Your God is mightier than the facts. And there's a difference between the facts and the truth. The fact was that the children of Israel were faced with the Red Sea and Pharaoh coming after them. But the truth was that God was able to part the waters of the Red Sea. So don't get intimidated by the facts. I'm sure, Bishop Johnson, there have been times in your ministry when the facts seemed insurmountable. When the facts would suggest, why don't we just give up and go home? But a man of a different spirit is not intimidated by the facts. Listen to what Caleb says. Let us go up at once and take possession. At once. You see, a man with a different spirit runs to the problem and not away from it. A man with a different spirit runs to the problem and not away from it. I was stunned when I was reading some while back about David fighting Goliath. And what stunned me was in that passage, it said that David ran towards Goliath. He ran towards him. You see, when you're a different spirit, you run to the problem. You don't run away from it. A man with a different spirit, like Caleb, says, let us go up at once. Let's do it right now. Because a man with a different spirit has confidence in his God. Has confidence in his God. He said, we are well able to overcome it. One of the instructions that Moses had given these 12 was don't be afraid be of good courage 
don't be fearful. But you know, sometimes you have to go ahead and do things even if you have some fear. I read recently about a title of a book. I haven't read the book. I just love the title. The title is Do It Afraid. <laughs> do It Afraid. Because we assume that if I have fear, I can't do it. No, sometimes you have to go ahead and do it afraid. Caleb, Caleb didn't worry about it. He didn't fret about it. Like these other 10 leaders, he didn't worry about it. And you know, we need to be care about, careful about worry. Or as old people say, worryation. <laughs> Got to be careful about worryation, about worrying. The Lord literally stopped me in my tracks a few months ago, just dealing with this whole issue of worry. And he said something to me that, that really just, just stopped me. He said, Margaret, you know, when you worry, you call into question my character. It stunned me. When you worry, you call into question my character. And he didn't stop there. He says, when you worry, what you're in essence saying is that I don't speak truth. So be careful that you don't worry to the extent that you end up calling into question the very character of God who has made the promises, the promise to keep you promise to watch over you, to take care of you, to take care of you and yours. Look at Caleb. He's bold. But look at this, verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. This is spiritual identity theft. Spiritual identity theft. It's one thing for people to steal your social security number. But it's another when they steal from you the ability to see who you are in Christ. That's spiritual identity theft. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. Grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Some of you have been the victims of spiritual identity theft because you don't see yourself as God sees you. You've allowed situations and circumstances to steal that from you. 
chapter 14. Please take note of this. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. The problem is they don't have to return to Egypt. They never left. Oh, they left Egypt with their feet, but not with their minds. You see, they responded the way they did because they had too much Egypt in them. They were full of Egypt. See, that was part of what happened during Reconstruction with slaves in this country. Oh, yes, we had Reconstruction, and things happened during Reconstruction, but for so many slaves, there was no Reconstruction of their thinking. And slavery was still in them. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied up the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. You see, when, when you are a leader with a different spirit, you also have a different perspective. You have a totally different perspective. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb, a man with a different spirit, was able to stand up and speak the truth. Although he risked the wrath of the people, because the people were not with this program. The people decided to go with the 10. They decided to go with the majority rather than with what Caleb and Joshua had to report. They went with the report, the evil report, the evil report of the 10 leaders. And the consequence was disastrous. Because those 10 leaders ended up dead. But look at what ended up happening to Caleb. 
the children of Israel went back into the wilderness. But when they ended up coming back to the promised land, Caleb was still alive. God honored him because he had a different spirit. And not only was he alive, but the word says in the book of Joshua that Bishop Johnson, when it came time to enter that promised land again, Caleb said, I am 85 years of age, but I am just as strong now as I was 40 years ago. You see, Caleb was older, but he wasn't aging. So Bishop Johnson, I know we're celebrating your birthday. You might be getting older, but since you got a different spirit, we're going to declare you're not aging. You see, the difference is this. Those 10 faithless spies and the people that responded to them, the problem is this. When they were confronted with trouble, their default response was complaining. Their default response was complaining. Over and over again, when they got into trouble, their automatic response was complaining. But with Caleb, the man with a different spirit, his default response to trouble was faith. That was his default response. Now, the default response is whatever is automatic. And some of you need to look at what is your default response to trouble. You need to check out what is your default response when difficulty and storms come. What's your automatic response? You know, I, I'm not very techie. But when I got my first smartphone, I was so pleased to make a discovery. And the discovery that I made, not being very techie, but the, dis the discovery that I made was that the ring that came with my phone from the factory, I didn't have to keep that ring. Most amazing discovery. I figured out there was a thing that I could hit called settings. 
And when I hit settings, what popped up were all these different ringtones. And I discovered that I could change my default. I could actually change it to something else. I could choose to change my default setting. Now, some of you need to go to your settings. Some of you need to change your default response to trouble. Some of you need to change your default response to difficulty from complaining to praise and worship. So that when the difficulty comes and when the trials come, then you can be just like Caleb and have a different kind of default response. You see, you need to go into your settings and do a reset so that when the storms of life come and you feel tempted to forget what God promised you, when the difficulties come, you need to have a default that says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You need to have a default that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. You need to have a default that says, I will give God praise no matter what my situation or circumstance. I ask the question. Whether or not there were some of you here who know that God made a promise to you, but it hasn't materialized. You're still waiting on it. Well, I'm going to challenge you to be a man and a woman with a different spirit. Although the promise has not yet been realized, I want you to take the time right now to give God praise for what you know is on the way. Give him praise for what you know is on the way. Give him praise because you know your child is going to get delivered. Give him praise because you know that your finances are going to change. Give him praise because God promised it. Whatever it is, God promised it. God promised it. Oh, give him praise. You know what he promised you. 
You know what he promised you? Give him praise now. That praise be your default. That praise be your default. That praise be your default. It's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. Give him praise. Give him praise. He promised it. He promised it. He promised it. He promised it. Oh, give him praise. Give him praise. He's waiting on your praise. He's waiting on your praise. He promised it. Don't give up. Don't stop waiting. Give him praise. Give him praise. It's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. If you believe that, come down here. If you believe it's on the way, come down here. If you believe that what God promised you is on the way, come down here. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? It's on the way. He's on the way. She's on the way. Whatever it is, it's on the way. God has not forgotten his promise to you. God has not forgotten his promise to you. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. I was listening to television some time ago. And I heard a preacher say this. He said he he would give each of his children a car when they reached a certain age. But then when his youngest daughter reached that age, he knew that she was not mature enough to have that car. So he told her, no, I, you're not ready for this. And she kept asking, kept asking, kept asking. He kept saying, no. Then one day, when he felt she was mature enough, he said to her, he said to his daughter, I've decided you're mature enough now. And I'm going to get you that car. I'm going to, I'm going to buy you a car. Well, she started running all around the house, ecstatic, happy. Now, there was no car in the garage. 
there was no car on the street. But her daddy She got on the phone and she just started telling everybody, I got a car, I got a car. There was no car in the garage. But she knew that if her daddy promised her that she was going to get a car because daddy said it, she didn't have to wait until the car arrived in the garage. Now she was excited simply because her daddy promised her that he was going to get her a car. Your daddy promised you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until the promise is fulfilled. You don't have to wait until the battle is, is, is over. You can shout now. Because your daddy promised you. Your father promised you. Your daddy said it. Your daddy said it. Give him praise now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Give him praise now. Rejoice now. The promise will be fulfilled. Bow your heads with me. Father, we're your children. And some of us have been waiting for a long time. But we want to have a, a different spirit. We want to have the kind of spirit that will praise you even now. Even before the promise is fulfilled. Father, I just believe that you're moving even now. That as we give your name praise now, that even now you're working on and moving in those areas where you have made those promises. So we thank you now for fulfilling your promise. We thank you now for the promise being manifested. Because Father, you promised it. And God, you do not lie. So we go back to our seats, not depressed, not anxious, not worried. We go back to our seats rejoicing. Rejoicing because God, you promised it and we believe it to be true. In Jesus' name, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you and we count it done. In the precious name of Jesus, we count it done. Go back to your seats rejoicing. 
Go back to your seats rejoicing. Count it done. Come on, saints, let's give the Lord praise. Come on, bless him as you go to your seats. Let praise come out of your lips. Let obedience follow the word that was spoken tonight. Hallelujah. As I was listening to that prophetic message. How many of you know that was a prophetic message? How many of you know that was a prophetic word from God? If it was a prophetic word from God, come on, give the Lord praise for it. Amen. If it was a word from God for you, I believe, I believe some of you, if you receive this word tonight, the evil diversion of the death angel or certain calamities that the enemy had stationed to come to you because of murmuring and complaining. But tonight, because you choose, amen, you choose to praise him, you choose to possess the promises of God, you reverse the curse! You reverse the curse! It's one thing to pray. It's one thing to fast. But it's a whole nother thing to praise God and to let his praise be continually in your mouth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Weaver. Thank you, Dr. Weaver. At this time, come on, come on. Thank the Lord for her. You gave the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of us need to put praise and worship back in our prayer time. Some of us need to eliminate, the, eliminate praying the problem and worship him and thanking him. Amen. Some of, us, some of us right now need to remove all the complaining. Because what God was saying tonight, I'm faithful. I'm about to blow your mind. Amen. 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 I'm about to blow your mind. I'm about to blow your mind. I'm going to do something you've never seen before. I'm going to do something you never heard before. I'm going to do something that will stagger your imagination. I'm a faithful God. I'm a faithful God. My word shall not return to me void. My word shall not return to me void. I take notice of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You just need to understand that when we corporately begin to praise God in our sleep, when we wake up, when we walk, we create an acceleration of angelic activity. We begin to see the wheels of acceleration move. Amen. At this time, we're going to Brother Jones, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know the name of your church app.
But I will say this, this man has been faithful. In the times of trial and tribulation, he has been a man of integrity. He has walked through the fire, hallelujah. But he's been refined by the hand of God. He has pastored for the last five years. Man, he's, he's been a great father. He's been a great friend. And I want Metro to welcome Pastor Michael Jones, amen. Dr. Weaver, it's kind of hard to take the mic. And the whole time I was sitting there and I was trying to figure out what I would say, um, Bishop Johnson and I have been friends. You know, we went to the firing range and for some reason, my gun had six bullets, but my target had eight holes. And I, and I, and I kept counting. So I know I fired this many times, and why is there so many holes in this target? And, and, and I was so busy paying attention to the, the holes in the target I didn't see Bishop laughing at me the whole time because he had shot a hole in my target. But, um, look, look, can we talk? To be some kind of different, you have to attract some kind of different people. And the very fact that you're connected to Bishop Johnson as you are, is because you're some kind of different too. And the words that he's spoken in our lives, not just your life, but our lives, throughout the course of time, has changed the trajectory of our lives. Some of you may or may not know, but I had the unfortunate experience of going to prison. After serving here, and hiring and having at least 15 people at times, they used to call us Metro Three. We had so many people at the church working for us. When there was an event at the church, I thought I was gonna have to shut the company down so everybody can attend. But while I was there, um, Bishop and I would write each other. He and I have stayed in touch with each other. As a matter of fact, this jacket I'm wearing, looking good in right now, he gave me. But I can't get away from your message because while I was there, struggling being away from my family, I was the provider. And when all of a sudden you're in a place where you can't provide for your family and you, you know they're hurting and you know they're struggling, it, it's such a hurtful thing when you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. And the enemy would throw all these, you used to do this and you used to be that and you used to stand here and praise and you used to lead the congregation in worship and you used to meet with individuals and, and give counsel and encouragement to and some people have come back to me and telling me things that I've done that I truthfully don't even remember doing but 
But the enemy would constantly throw these things in my face. And, and then all of a sudden, God would show me in different countries. Show me as a pastor. And I would ask God, why are you showing me these things when you know there's nothing I can do about them? And that's because he didn't want the dream to die. There are those of you that are here that have come so close to your dream dying that, that you needed this message today because you needed to get stimulated back into your thought process and your creativity and know that God is able to do the things that he promised you he would do. When I was, when, when, when I, at one point in my life, I was just tired of hearing all the negativity and, and or rather the, the, you know, you're going to be this and you're going to be that and you're going to be the other. And it's like, you know what, don't, don't, don't tell me another thing because nothing's happening like I thought it was supposed to happen. So you know what, I prefer just not to hear anything because if I don't hear it, at least I don't have the disappointment of it not happening. And the Lord had to take me away from my environment and put me in a place where the soil was different but rich so that he can reinvest his spirit into me and cause me to see the dreams that I saw back when I was 16 and 17 years old and had given up on and Bishop saw in me and he would constantly speak into my life. Leaders are motivated by vision and not by facts. I remember you saying that. I remember so many of the things that he taught, and, and you do too. I'm not the only one. And I remember the things that he shared with me. And, and it was in that place when I, was in when I was in Pakistan ministering. And first of all, I got the invitation to Pakistan. I was like, this can't be God because certainly he's not telling me to go to Pakistan. He was. <laughs> While I'm in Pakistan, I went back in my mind to the prison's location that I was at and I saw those moments where I questioned God as to why why are you showing me this why are you showing me that and now I'm living out the things that I saw before that I gave up on but he had to change the default he had to take my default away from where I was to where I was going. Isn't that what Bishop Johnson's done to each of us? He's taken, he's seen your potential inside of you. And sometimes his words were kind of hard. <laughs> you know how he does. <laughs> you know, in the meantime, your shoes are cut, your socks are cut, everything else is cut. And he's like, <laughs> love you just the same. And the very fact that you're back today in itself says that the words that he spoke in your lives help change the trajectory of where you are. Let me tell you what you don't see. You don't see a coffin. You don't see flowers. You don't see people milling around saying, I remember when. You don't see the tears in all of our eyes. We don't see any of that tonight. What we see is a, vibrant, a bright and vibrant individual who's called by God to identify different people and to bring out the difference that's in you so that you're not the same. 
When I first came here, I came because, and I'll be brief, but I came because my, 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 my wife and I were separated and I wanted to be where she and the children were. And the day that I came, I never will forget it. They said, any of you who need a, a miraculous experience from God, stand in the aisle. I didn't know why. I just stood there because everybody else was standing there. And the church gave everybody some money, except about three of us. I'm like, well, I guess this is a family affair. <laughs> and then Sister Carolyn said, there's some of you that did not receive anything, and there's a reason why. You remember that? And, and it could be because you have to be in a place where you ask for help. I've always given help. I didn't like asking for help. And then she said, we're going to have the congregation bless them. Children came to me handing me money. I was broken. I was, I was just broken. And, and as they came to me, it was like angels coming from here and here and here. You know, and letting me know that everything that was a challenge to me was going to work itself out. And I ended up joining the church. Then one day, I don't, ever think, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I was in the bathroom. I saw a piece of paper on the floor, a towel, paper, paper towel on the floor in the bathroom. And the Lord said, pick it up. And I said, I, said, I don't think so. <laughs> this is a paper towel in the bathroom. <laughs> Do you realize where we are, God? <laughs> we're, we's in the bathroom. And, 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 and the Lord told me to pick it up, so I got a piece of paper and I picked it up. And the Lord said, to the extent that you're willing to serve here, and as humble as you're willing to get, I'll raise you to that same level in leadership. We never discussed this. There was an affinity that came. And I served. I vacuumed. I drove. I got up early in the morning. And I drove. People would tease me and say, don't look so serious. No, I'm a fool, but you know, if, if you thought I looked serious, that's okay. At least I protected the bishop, you know. But, 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 I, but, but we were there, and, and while I was serving, I became friends with him, and we would talk, and we would share, and, I, and, and just being around him. And then one day, he says, he says um, we're at church, and he says, if you have an art with your father, you need to call him. It's like, why is this man always picking on me? You know, my father has said that I wasn't his. After telling me he was more like him than any of his other children. So we talked that day. Now, now here's the thing. I don't think I ever shared this with you either. The day that we reconciled, I did not know that he would be passing away a few years later. And I would be the one asked to do the eulogy. I would have missed my moment had I not heard the word. There are times that we, we hear God's word and we don't understand what it is that we're hearing, but we know that it's inside of our spirit. And there are times that we have to capture it, even though we don't necessarily know what to do with it. You have to capture it, set the default, put it inside your heart. So today, we have the opportunity to be a blessing to the bishop. Somebody say amen.
Now, there's a whole lot of stories that I could tell, and I'm, I'm trying to be brief because I only have just a few moments. But if you would, pull out a special offering today. Those of you who, uh, there was a, an agreement to, uh, was thank you for your obedience. I think it's fitting uh, before we leave that we hear a remark from our, our leader tonight. I'd like everyone to stand and welcome Bishop Johnson. <laughs> Amen. You can do better than that. And immediately after, we have a reception tonight. So we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Welcome, Bishop Johnson. Wow, this is so special. I need you to know something. That um, We talk a lot about daily devotions, and, uh, and if you really love God, and if God's going to do anything with your life, you have to have that. In my daily devotion, um, Dr. Margaret preached the scripture that God gave me and has given me to pray and to recite on a daily basis and it's the exact scripture she preached tonight. And I just want to thank you for your obedience to the Lord. I want to thank God for allowing me to get older and not age. my sweetheart who uh, keeps arranging these things and never tells me anything about these things. And, uh, your courage to keep silent. And uh, this has been so wonderful, so great to see. Uh, forgive me, my children. <laughs> it's just, um, it is amazing. And there's more to come. I really love seeing the children of the children. Because God promised me generations. And I'm looking at some of that tonight. And I just want you to give God praise. Amen? Now, I don't know what she's got planned for next, next week, but if any of you would like to see me at the service and speak with me, I'll be happy to have an audience with you. Take the hand of somebody standing with you. Because God, in the very beginning, the Lord made it really clear to me. I remember when Elder Yule and David, and later on, Elder Neil, when we were observing um, the ministry of Billy Graham, we were actually in Tallahassee for the preliminary meeting, preparing for. Billy's arrival to preach that great revival in Tallahassee. And I remember being in that prep meeting and they were talking about their relationship and how long they had been together and what God told them in the beginning of the ministry. And I remember sitting there with Elder David and with Elder Yule talking about this thing that God called us to be and do. 
And we came into an understanding and an agreement that we were going to see it through and that we believed. And I want to thank God for all of you that are bent on keeping the promise God gave you. Amen. And your promise to him. Amen. Um, so we should go home and eat. Yes, we should eat. Do, do you want me to announce? Do you want to do this or shall I do it? Let you do it? Well, let me do something. When I get home, oh, I, I got you. <laughs> when I introduce him at other churches, I say the smile on my face is real. It is. Um, the reception we have, um, a reception in the reception hall, which is the first door to the right after you pass the double doors. For our guests who have come so graciously to visit tonight with us and to come to honor, we appreciate every single one of you. We want to hug your neck and tell you personally, uh, thank you. All of the, I know some of you are sitting over there. Over here are the deacons and the elders and the leaders and all who have come back, but I see some of you hiding over there as well. So we would like for some of you who, all of you who came to visit, and also our team, if you will, come and be the hosts and hostesses, and make, let's make sure that they get served. I can't wait till his eyes see that cake. Don't miss it. Shall I dismiss? We're good. Elder Yule, will you please, sir? Thank you for all you've done and for all you do. Look at the person next to you and say, we are just getting started. Allow our bishop to lead, Lady Carolyn to lead. And if you could hold hands across the aisle. Also allow uh, Dr. Weaver to lead if you would, amen. Thank you very much, Renee. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for all the testimonies. We thank you, Lord, for all the lives that have been touched, the apostolic fruit. We thank you for this time of honor. We ask you tonight, Lord, that there be divine protection over everyone present, their families and loved ones. Lord, let your favor rest upon us, and as we feast together, Lord, let your blessing rest upon it as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>